Ben has a cold sweat come over him every time he hands me this mic. Because <laughs> I... Oh, look, he's leaving. <laughs> That's not very supportive. Um, I just want to say it's so awesome to have my mum here. She's incredible. Let's give mum a hand. She'll hate me for saying that, but it's awesome. And we um, chose all the old hymns for you. Did you like that? Who, who loved those old hymns? They are so good, aren't they? That's very good. Well, it's really good to see you all here. I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that we can all come together. God, one big family made up of all sorts, but God, we come here on a Sunday and we meet together. And I just thank you for every person in this room, all the different personalities, God, and the gifts and the talents. And Lord, I just ask that you would be with us this morning, God, that you would use my words to really encourage people and to um, speak to them. In Jesus' name, amen. So... Resurrection Sunday. What is all this hoo-ha about the resurrection? Is that sacrilegious to say that? (laughs) Jesus died and he rose again. The resurrection. You know, is that a bit like a hero in a movie when just at the end of the movie you think he's dead but then um, episode two, he's come back to life. Somehow he managed to survive whatever. He didn't quite die. Anyone, maybe that's what the resurrection is like. Or maybe it's a bit like Thor in Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it's the second movie, has anyone watched it, where it opens and Thor's in this cage, trapped in this, um, in some otherworldly place and everyone back on Earth or whatever planet um, is in the movie. I don't know, I think there's a few. Everyone thinks he's dead. But in actual fact, he's imprisoned by this monster and he's waiting for just the right moment to break out and deal with the guy who imprisoned him. I love that movie. Anyone else? It's really awesome. Or maybe you see it a bit more traditionally. Jesus was killed and was in the grave for three days until God's power brought him back to life. And yay, he's defeated death. So that now when we die, we won't actually go to hell. We'll be resurrected and go to heaven to be with God the Father. You know, whatever your view is, what does the resurrection really mean? Why is this, like Ben said, I think in the prayer meeting, one of the, or the biggest event on the Christian calendar, why is the resurrection so important? And what's its significance to me? What's its significance to each one of you? When, back when God the Father created mankind, life was an idyllic paradise of innocence, a bit like Emma when she was a little baby. <laughs> no wrongdoing, no guilt, no shame, no fear or anxiety, no cruelty, no sickness or pain. There was no sin or evil in mankind's life. Can you imagine what that would have been like? I don't think any of us actually can because it would just be so completely different to hear. But, you know, it was all building up to a moment in time. God knew mankind had to make a choice. And God did not shy away from this. 
He placed this choice smack bang in the centre of mankind's world. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If I was God, I would have hidden it in a back corner so that they wouldn't come across it. But Jesus, but God the Father put it in the centre of the garden. Adam and Eve would have walked past it often. God knew that they had to make a choice. And we all know the story, mankind did choose, but he chose to disbelieve, to doubt their father and to trust the words of another. And at that moment, sin entered the world. Sin entered mankind's hearts. You know, one of the biggest problems with sin is that it produces death. Romans 6, oh, there it is. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The fruit of sin is death. For the first time, death entered the world when mankind chose to trust another. Once again, if you think about that, it's just crazy. Death is anti-God because God is, is life. Anything in life that is tainted with death is a result of sin. Sickness, pain, dysfunction, sadness, brokenness, conflict, all of these are anti-life. They are anti-God. The result of death, the fruit of sin. You know, the other big problem with sin is it produces separation from God. God is holy. We all know God is holy. And it is who he is. It is, it, it is not something he chooses. It is him. He is holy. And he cannot put it to one side and ignore it. It is God. And sin makes mankind unholy. And unholiness is anti-God. God and sin cannot have close relationship or unity But God wants close relationship with mankind, with each one of us. But now mankind is unholy. And this unholiness separates mankind from God. Something had to be done. So in the Old Testament, we hear God instituted blood sacrifices as a way to deal with the sin issue. Damien had this scripture on Sunday, and it, I mean on Friday, and it was just what I needed. For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. So God did two things. He instituted blood sacrifices to cover a person's sin. But this was not perfect because it dealt with the specific sins, but it didn't deal with mankind's hearts and his or her dreadful propensity to sin. We just want to do the wrong thing, unfortunately. And you see that in your kids when they grow up. Why do you want to do the wrong thing? It is in our heart. So what God did... Then first the blood sacrifices and then he drafted rules for people to follow to explain the way he wanted 
mankind to live. Rules that outlined how to appease God's holiness. If you did this, then you would be holy. And we tried, mankind tried to live by these rules. And what happened? He failed. We fail. <laughs> because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many of the rules you follow. You have to obey every single rule to the letter. Not just your outward actions, but your inward thoughts and attitudes. They have to follow the rules. And if you break one rule, you are unholy. So every time time mankind wanted to communicate with God, to feel God, to express love to God, to have relationship with God, sin was in the way. And every time mankind needed help from God, needed strength from God, unless he just made a sacrifice, sin blocked the way. Now the good news is God knew this was going to happen. It didn't take him by surprise. He knew that his relationship with mankind would be damaged and he had a plan. Jesus came as a human, lived a sinless life and then allowed himself to be murdered on a cross. Remember Leviticus, that scripture, um, atonement for someone's life is in the blood. Jesus, the sinless lamb of God, became the blood sacrifice for all the sin of mankind. Amen. His death was the atonement for all our sin. His death was an exchange for our life. He who knew no sin tasted death, took the fruit of sin, death, on himself so that we didn't have to take it. We don't have to shed blood now for our sins. They are covered by Jesus' blood. Amen. Jesus provided a way to deal with every single sin that any man or woman had committed or will commit. And in doing so, promised instant forgiveness when we join with Christ and his sacrifice. You know, there was one more thing that Jesus did. When Jesus died on the cross, he left his spirit, left his human body, and it was released. And Jesus took a trip down to hell. And a bit like the Thor scenario, he dealt with the monster. Yay. But, and I've often wondered this, why didn't you just kill Satan then and there? He didn't kill Satan. He didn't kill the monster. What did he do? He took something from him. Revelation 1 tells us, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus took the keys of death and hell from Satan. You know, the only way Jesus could do this was because of the resurrection. If he stayed dead, if he stayed in hell, he could not have taken those keys. That is why the resurrection is so important. But why the keys to death and hell? Why not the keys to some other thing? You know, as I began to think about this, it hit me again how significant this is. You know, the issue is not Satan. 
I thought for years and years that Satan was the big issue and, and why didn't God just kill him and then we could be free. But the issue is not Satan, the issue is sin. Sin's control over mankind. You know, the enemy manipulates mankind because mankind sins. Sin gives the enemy authority on earth. When Jesus took the keys of death and hell from Satan, he took away the the enemy's authority over these two things in the lives of those who believe in him. Remember the two big issues that man carried because of sin? The first one was death. The second one was separation from God because of our unholiness. Death is the consequence of sin. Hell is eternal separation from God. But the one who holds the keys holds the authority, the control over death and eternal separation from God. In 2 Timothy, is another powerful scripture. It says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Saviour. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Jesus broke the power of sin over mankind's life. Mankind does not have to be controlled by sin because Jesus paid the penalty for sin. Jesus died. He paid the penalty of death once and for all, for all of us. And Jesus became the blood sacrifice for sin, removing our guilt, making us holy. In rising from the dead, he defeated death and separation from God and he broke that control over our lives. If we just lean on Jesus, his cross, his resurrection, join our lives to him. This is the incredible power of the cross and the resurrection. You know, if I sin, and I know you're sitting out there going, no, you never sin. If I sin in thought or action, if you sin, I then just go to God, ask forgiveness, apply his blood sacrifice to my life and bang, I have instant forgiveness, instant unhindered relationship with God. You know the the power in that, the incredible truth in that, it is is phenomenal phenomenal that is the thing that has has destroyed man's life over millennia is this power of sin over us when I choose to make Christ my Lord when I walk humbly in a love relationship with the father I walk in forgiveness so you say great yeah and yeah it is incredible The enemy doesn't have authority over my heart. My sin is dealt with. Then why do I struggle and feel all the stuff I do? Why is life hard? Why do I feel unloved sometimes? Why do I feel empty? Why do I feel sad, alone? Why is there so much pain in the world? Why is there so much evil? Why do we live with the weight of sin still resting on our shoulders? Why do we 
often walk under the burden of life here on sin-ridden earth. And I believe it's because the enemy is still the master of lies and and deception. And we still want to sin. Sin gives the enemy a foothold to deceive and confuse us, to blind us to the truth. Satan cleverly uses sin like a web, a spider spins. You know, we probably wouldn't engage in sin if we knew clearly it was a blatant sin. Like Adam and Eve, maybe if the enemy hadn't have twisted the words he said to Eve with truth, maybe they wouldn't have chosen. The enemy twists truths into lies and appeals to our sin nature. You know, he uses webs of deception like shame. We don't go to God, we run and hide. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, they did the wrong thing and instead of going to their father and going, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, they ran and they hid. Shame, it does it to us. We don't go to God, we hide, we pull away. We don't maybe talk to him as much in the day. We don't feel like going to church because, well, there's my sin. Pride, we don't need God. I can do it on my own. Or we try again to stick to the rules like God did back then. He made these rules and we think, okay, I can stick to those rules. And maybe maybe if I stick to the rules, he'll be happier with me. I'll be pleasing him. Maybe if, if, if I don't need him as much, that'll make him happy. It's a twisted lie of deception. It is sin. Good works, we try to earn our holiness We've lived a life of salvation and God has changed us, but then we start thinking about good works. That is going to make God happy. That is a lie. That is anti-God because it's going back to the law. It's rejecting what Jesus did on the cross when good works is what you rely on. Fear and anxiety. You know, fear and anxiety is a result of sin, but it becomes a control over us. It's like roots deep inside of us that pull us like a puppet on a string. And we can't even stand on our own two feet because anxiety and fear binds us. And we just accept it. You know, another web of deception is our intelligence. We hold in high esteem knowledge and great intellect. And there's nothing wrong with knowledge and great intellect, in fact. It's awesome. But this can lead to, if I can't understand it fully, I don't believe it. We trust in our own wisdom. And that battles against faith and trust. You can only come to God in faith. Addictions, they make you feel so good. And I'm not just talking about drug addiction or alcohol or Those bad addictions, all of us battle addictions, things that appeal to our fleshly nature that just make us feel better. Sometimes that comes in the way of our relationship with God and it binds us in a web of deception. 
beauty. This world worships beauty. Anything that looks beautiful, sounds incredible, we elevate it and worship the creation instead of God. And it becomes something that we try to aspire to. We get stressed when we don't look the right way, when we don't perform the right way. And it holds us back. It binds us in a web of deception. You know, the enemy wants you to accept the sin on your life, to sort of let it control you. He doesn't mind if you go to God every now and then, but don't you dare break free of the deception that enemies, the sin has placed over your life. But Jesus rose from the dead. He took the keys of death. He took the keys of hell. And he, he has authority of that in your life. If you come to him like a humble child, every time you sin, every time there's confusion, every time you feel something's not right or you don't want to go to God, you come to him and go, Father, I don't understand. I don't know, but I need you in my life. He comes and he sets you free. You know, there's one more amazing thing that happened because Jesus died and rose again. And this couldn't have happened if Jesus hadn't have died. God the Father sent the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us. Not only did Christ's death and resurrection deal with the issue of our separation with God. Remember, we had sin in our life. We are unholy. There was a separation between, between God and us. And Jesus dealt with that unholiness. His blood sacrifice covered our sin. So now there's no barrier. God the Father went one step further. He sent the Holy Spirit. And where does the Holy Spirit live? Inside of you. No longer is He just there or close. He is inside of you. The Holy Spirit came into your heart, into your heart when you align yourself with Him. He comes and lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit now inside of us gently but persistently extracts the roots of the enemy's deception, the tentacles of lies that have embedded themselves inside of us. You know, if it was an instant fix, I think God at salvation would deliver every one of the lies and deception, but it's not. These roots are deeply entwined in in the very essence of who we are. And it takes a master surgeon. You know, I'm an anaesthetic nurse. I see surgeons operate. And sometimes I watch and I think, oh, that's disgusting. But what they do gently but firmly, they remove cancer. They remove things that are wrong in a human body. And the Holy Spirit does that with each one of us. As we walk with Him, He removes the roots. You know, you can change your behaviour, but the roots of sin are deep. And the Holy Spirit wants to deliver each one of us. It takes time. It takes humility. It takes repentance. It takes loving God and He sets us free. God wants to set us free from mindsets and webs of deception, giving us freedom. God wants us to live in the power of the resurrection. My last scripture this morning is so powerful. My passion is to be consumed with Him and not cling to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law. My only righteousness will be His based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus 
and to experience the overflowing power of His resurrection working in me. I will be one with Him in His sufferings and become like Him in His death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with Him in His resurrection from the realm of death. The Resurrection Sunday is about God's amazing power to set us free from the control of sin. I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want to give a moment for the Holy Spirit. Maybe as I've been talking, there's been little things in your heart and you've gone, oh, I wish I had that. I wish God could set me free from that. Maybe there's addictions or bondages or or things that you know in your own strength you have tried to give up. You've tried to let go of, but it's just there. Well, the Holy Spirit wants to set you free. God wants to, you to know the power of His authority over those things in your life. Jesus, Holy Spirit. Just open yourself up to God and maybe talk to Him. Talk to Him about the things that are bothering you, the things that are on your mind that have come up. if God's been speaking to you I want you to stand if you want the Holy Spirit to help set you free from things that have just seemed to have trapped you like a web I want you to stand you know if it was an instant fix if if you stood and I prayed and God touched you and it was done with that would be incredible but it's not it's a slow journey of humility and reaching out to Him but I just want those who feel they need to respond to stand just as a statement of God I need your resurrection power in my life more 
Holy Spirit, take control. Take control. Jesus. in the name of Jesus I just pray for every person who has responded in their heart whether they've stood or not I pray in Jesus name God that today you would increase their understanding of the power of the cross the power of the resurrection God I pray that you would help them grasp that you've taken the keys of death and hell and God that they sin no longer has authority over their lives And in the name of Jesus, I bind the enemy's webs of deception in their hearts. And in the name of Jesus, I curse them and curse those webs. And in Jesus' name, I ask God that you would begin to work freedom, begin to work healing into every person in this room. God, that they would know your peace, your healing and your wholeness and your freedom. I declare that in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.